Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games and sports? Well, I have awesome news for you. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. If we're talking about esports and golf, Major League Baseball, NFL, and more. Head on over to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to start and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe50. That's B-L-E-A-V 50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. From Major League Baseball to the NFL and everything in between, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Bet Online, where the game starts. MyHotTub.com is a global leader in the hot tub industry with over 25 years of experience. Their hot tubs are built in the United States with the highest standards of quality control, an extensive warranty, and customer service representatives available seven days a week. They offer free shipping to your home with factory direct pricing and incredible financing plans. Visit online at MyHotTub.com or stop in Destiny USA today. MyHotTub.com. Whether online or in person, you better hurry because these spas won't last. What's going on, everybody? Paul Bissonette here from the Spit and Chicklets podcast and now the TNT broadcast. I just want to give everybody a shout out and make sure you tune in to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms, Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer, you name it. Download, subscribe, rate, and review the show. We are brought to you by our great friends at Burn Dairy. Elevate Fitness of Syracuse and Chick-fil-A of Cicero and Clay. Stop by Chick-fil-A, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They've got the shakes. They have the chicken sandwiches. They have the tenders and fries and mac and cheese and everything in between. Tell me, if you go there for breakfast, pick up that scramble bowl or a breakfast burrito. This place is awesome. Everything's fresh. Everything's ready to go. Their market salad is one of my favorites. Try that. Try the Cobb salad and a heck of a lot more at Chick-fil-A of Cicero and Clay, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. And I do want to tell people that they will cater your private event as well. Chick-fil-A of Cicero and Clay, a proud sponsor of the platform. And a huge tip of the cap thank you as well to the Swan and Whitaker families, Bob Lindsley, Daryl Abert, the Alonzo family, and... Camillus Golf Club. Get your membership for 2023 right now at Camillus Golf Club. Fun episode here. I'm going to go around a little bit of college football from uh, just a wild week and, and maybe look at some of the games upcoming this weekend. Um, and then I'm going to play a crossover episode from the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network. I had an opportunity to talk to one of my favorites, man, the voice of the Bills, John Murphy. We preview the the Titans game, we recap the Rams game, and we talk uh, all things Buffalo Bills football. So you're not going to want to miss that uh, coming up here in just a few minutes. You know, so last weekend, uh, Alabama really, I, I thought, got away with one. Um, Texas was the better team. They were more physical. Texas was, uh, their defense was absolutely unbelievable. I was stunned at how well their defense played. And, uh, you know, Bryce Young did Bryce Young things at the end. I mean, he he's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy this year. Uh, you know, and, and, and I think... Man, this kid is so poised, so ready to roll. You think about the great quarterbacks to come through Alabama in recent times, but this guy might be the best one Nick Saban has ever had. I mean, let's be honest right now. Um, He's just a fantastic talent. He's got pocket poise. He's got awareness. He's got it all. 
Um, he's he's unbelievable, and and I will not be surprised if he wins back to back Heisman trophies. Uh, he obviously won it last year. Uh, how many? People want to go to Alabama from how many states? A lot, because he's from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, for God's sakes. They go up into the Northeast and get the best of the best as well. This program's ridiculous. They're loaded, and they got away with one because Sarkeesian and company in Texas really should have won that football game. They deserve to win that football game, but they let it slip through the cracks a little bit, and Bryce Young got him down there, and boom, they kicked the field goal and win. Um, not so lucky was Notre Dame. Notre Dame was awful against Marshall. They got pushed around the entire time. Even when the lead wasn't that big, uh, they were just pushing the Irish all over the field. A great win for Marshall. A great day for the Sun Belt because the Appalachian State Club beats Tamu. They beat Texas A&M University and uh, just another, just a dud of a game by Texas A&M. Hey, where's that big time uh, Jimbo Fisher offense with all those weapons that they supposedly paid According to Nick Saban, uh, hello, where were they? They were nowhere to be found. Appalachian State has that part of that's part of their DNA. That's part of their pedigree. Winning big games. Remember them going into the big house and beating Michigan. Well, now they go in and beat Texas A&M. Just a fantastic win um, for App State. Uh, Scott Frost got fired at Nebraska. Um, again, I'm just going to go around a couple of talking points here in college football. Uh, he gets fired at Nebraska and. Um, no surprise there. I think Matt Rule in Carolina right now, who did great things at Baylor, would be an awesome fit for Nebraska. They got to get an identity back. They got to get somebody to build the program, get the culture back in order, get a quarterback, uh, you know, design some some of the proper offensive looks. Nebraska's been slow. They've lacked skill uh, for years and years and years, and that includes under Scott Frost. So uh, I thought Frost was going to be an all right hire for Nebraska. I really did. I liked what he did at Central Florida. Uh, remember, he had that one undefeated season there uh, some years back. Um, you know, they hired one of their own. He knows the college. He knows the history, he knows the fan base, and it turned out to be a disaster for Scott Frost and for Nebraska. Let's see if they can turn it around. They got a game they're going to get blown out this weekend. Oklahoma comes to town, of course. Uh, Washington State went in and beat Wisconsin. That was kind of a shocker. Uh, and we have some really good games uh, this weekend, not great games. Um, I would probably look at BYU and Oregon at being a, a, a really good game. I think Georgia, South Carolina has a potential to be a blowout, but again, when you go on the road in the SEC, uh, normally if you're going to, you know, you think a team's 24 points better than the other, um, you know, you, you might come down a little bit from that. Um, you know, we have Miami, Texas A&M. That should be a decent, decent game. Uh, USC looks really good right now. I mean, really good. They have Fresno State at home. They should roll in that game. Um, man, I'll tell you what, Lincoln Riley... <laughs> It, it looks like he's already turned it around, right? I mean, USC is 2-0, and and their offense is absolutely lights out, man. Caleb Williams is doing everything and anything he wants to on the football field. They've got a running game. They've got some wicked, wicked burners at wide receiver. Jordan Addison and Mario Williams are just have fun trying to guard those guys. And we know that USC has pumped out a bunch of receivers in their history, including most recently Drake London. This USC team, I think, is just about back. We got to see them play, you know, obviously, you know, the tough competition and all the rest. But, man, Lincoln Riley and the recruiting and everything that goes with USC. When USC is really good, it's good for college football. And uh, they've just looked great so far. They crush Rice, and they go on the road to Stanford, win by 13. Um, their schedule, though, is actually pretty weak. And, and right now, they only play one top 25 team the rest of the way. 
maybe they'll have the second one back on the board, but Notre Dame got booted out of the top 25, and rightfully so. Uh, they got to play Utah um, on the road. That'll be a tough game. But other than that, USC should be rolling through their schedule. Fresno State, Oregon State, Arizona State, Washington State, Utah, Arizona at home, California at home, Colorado at home, at UCLA, Notre Dame at home. I mean, they should win all those games. Maybe maybe they drop the Utah game, but they, they, they I mean, they should have a 12 you know, win, uh, 11 win season at worst, you know, really. I mean, they, they, that, that's what the record should be. Um, and we're off and running. I, I, I think that even though uh, we've seen some upsets and we've seen some crazy things happen and there's always some kind of chaos in college football, it happens every year, every week. But I'm here to tell you that it's still in Alabama, Georgia, you know, Alabama, Georgia, uh, Ohio State, you know, worlds. I mean, it, it really is. Um, yeah, I think Michigan has looked pretty good too so far this season. I, I know that their schedule, um, you know, has, has been weak with Colorado State and Hawaii. They should roll UConn. They should beat Maryland. Uh, they only well, they play three top 25 teams. They should be undefeated going into the Penn State game on the 15th of October. Then you got Michigan State ranked team, then at Rutgers, Nebraska, Illinois, uh, you know, those two games at home, and then you have the big one in Columbus against Ohio State um, to try and win in back-to-back years on uh, Thanksgiving weekend. But uh, Michigan looks pretty good so far, and I think it's just kind of the the repetitive nature, Jim Harbaugh and getting that offense going and all the rest, J.J. McCarthy, Cade McNamara, they got a couple of quarterbacks that they can throw out there. Um, probably want to decide on one officially. Uh, they probably will do that as the season goes along. Michigan's defense looks pretty good as well. So, look, they lost a lot last year, so I'm not expecting them to be in the top four at the end of the year. Uh, but there is an outside chance, and certainly Clemson, um, you know, DJ Uyungle, I mean, it's going to come down to him ultimately. Uh, that might be the best defense in college football. I'd probably still give a little bit of a nod to, you know, either Bama or Georgia. By the way, Will Anderson Jr. for the Alabama Crimson Tide is absolutely out of his mind. I mean, he was everywhere um, against Texas. And I got to look up, now that I think about it, I got to look up. I, I meant to I meant to see how many tackles uh, and, and, and sacks and all the rest that he had uh, against um, – against Texas. Let me see. I, I'm guessing he had at least, well, he had, I know he had at least one sack because I was, uh, I was tuned in for that one. Um, he's just a menace. He might be the best college football player out there. I, Alabama probably has the two best players in college football and Will Anderson Jr. and Bryce Young. Yeah, he had five total tackles, two were solo and one sack and two tackles for a loss. So a pretty good day, but not as great as he can be. And that is a terrifying thought for everybody facing Alabama. Mike Lindsley with you here. It's the ML Sports Platter. Coming up next, you will hear from John Murphy, the voice of the Buffalo Bills. We recap the stomping of the Rams, the Titans game this Monday night, and everything in between. All things Buffalo Bills football with the voice of the Bills, John Murphy. The podcast is brought to you by Burn Dairy, the Vince Aguirre Consulting Group, Ken's Auto Detailing, and Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare. If you're in and around Central New York, drop your pup off for a day of play while you're at work or while you're on a short vacation. They've got the playground. They've got the sprinkler. A lot of pups that your dog can meet, make some friends, and uh, they've got uh, the doggy wash as well and, and a heck of a lot of services if you need to sign up for those at Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare. Route 11 in Cicero, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. And a tip of the cap thank you as well to Burton Ace Hardware. Our friends at MyHotTub.com and Rosie's Corner stop in for Fish Friday today if you are in and around Central 
New York. Coming up next, the voice of the Buffalo Bills, John Murphy, from a crossover episode of the Pandemonium Podcast and the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. Murph is next. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. It is indeed the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, Pandemonium Podcast with you. I'm your host, Mike Lindsley. Make sure you go rate, review, subscribe everywhere you can find us on all the social media platforms, including YouTube. And on Twitter, at BuiltInBuffalo underscore. Growing every day. Appreciate you, Bills Mafia. And of course, we have articles and audio and video shows, content, constant, constant content, seven days a week here on the platform. So definitely appreciate the listens and uh, keep it going. Keep sharing, keep uh, rating and reviewing, and subscribe as well. Well, a huge game again. Primetime Buffalo Bills, right? That's what we're doing this year. And let's bring in the voice of the Bills, Mr. John Murphy. Murph, how are you? I've been well. I've been uh, really well. It was a good start to the season last Thursday. Yeah, it really was. I mean, you know, the Bills put a beat down on the Rams. It was just the, the perfect way to start for this football team with just uh, unbelievable expectations. At the end of that game, what were your maybe couple of takeaways at the top, you know, to, to bring it into this coming week here against the Titans? What, what did you really pull from that game? Well, I mean, at the end of that game, I wasn't, you know, it was nine days or 11 days until the Titans game, so that wasn't on the, on the front of my mind. But I was looking more at the season and what to expect the rest of the season, which is 16 games, almost a full season. But I was thinking it was great against the Rams to see that what the Bills set out to fix in their offseason by their player acquisitions, the draft, and more notably free agent signings, what they set out to to get better at, they were better at, in particular, the defensive line. You know, they had a really strong pass rush all game against the Rams. Uh, they had a nice seven or eight man rotation on the defensive line. What they tried to fix, they apparently did fix against a pretty good opponent in the Rams. And I think that was the thing that uh, stuck with me initially, just that, uh, okay, that, you know, it worked, what they were trying to do worked. Now it's not, you know, nothing is, nothing stays, uh, uh, stable in the NFL, things go up and down, but I just thought it was a great way to start and to see them fix the problem they set out to fix in the offseason was really encouraging. Man, the defense was everywhere. Three interceptions, seven sacks, Von Miller, immediate impact. Leslie Frazier's got a lot to play with on that defense, and you know they started a couple of rookie, uh, well, one rookie corner, subbed him for another rookie in terms of Benford and Elam, uh, as uh, as Dane Jackson also provided uh, a great spark with a pick, and, and uh, we're just, what, probably some, some weeks away from Trey White coming back. The safeties are always going to be there in Poyer and Hyde. Um, this, this defense, though, led by Leslie Frazier and helped by Sean McDermott, I wanted to get into Leslie Frazier and the players on the side of the football, that, that defensive side. Why, why do they trust Leslie Frazier so much? That, that relationship between player and D coordinator really seems so strong with the Bills. Yeah, I mean, he is a, a veteran hand. You know, he's just been around. He's seen pretty much everything. He has been a head coach uh, along with his 
uh, in as part of his coaching resume. You know, he was head coach for a while up in Minnesota. He played in the NFL, which I think resonates uh, with the players even now, even 40 years after he played. Played with one of the historic, you know, landmark teams in NFL history, the Chicago Bears, Super Bowl Bears. And and there's the, and all of that counts. What really, and I know Leslie a little bit, I think what might impress his players or at least convince his players more than anything is his personality. He is a, he's a wonderful man. And, you know, when people say, well, you know, the coach really uh, cares about his players. In this case, it's really true. I mean, Leslie Frazier is a good person who uh, thinks a great deal about what's good for his players and what does this guy need. And, and that comes across, you know. I'll tell you a story, Mike. I had a, uh, once the football season ends, my wife and I usually try to go to, oh, maybe three or four uh, Saturday nights, Buffalo Philharmonic. I'm not a huge classical music fan, but I figure it's better. You know, I got to get out of the football mode. And it turned out a couple of years ago, my seats and we bought like a partial season tickets were right across the aisle from coach Frazier and he and his wife would go and we would, you know, we didn't go there with him, but we sat right next to him. We talked during the intermission. We, we had a drink during the intermission and didn't talk a bit about the bills or football. That's the kind of guy he is. He's a really good person. I think his players on the defensive side of the ball know that. I think they respect his resume, both playing and coaching. And I think it translates into a great deal of respect for what he brings to the defense. He's the voice of the Buffalo Bills, our guy John Murphy, on Twitter, at Murph underscore Bills. We get set for Monday Night Football coming up here in a few days with the Titans coming to town. And John, um, the Ken Dorsey offense, wow. I mean, it, he was kind of implementing you know, some Kyle Shanahan stuff. He was implementing some Cam Newton Carolina stuff, some of his own things, a little bit from the Brian Dable playbook that's already been there for a few years. How about Ken Dorsey in his debut? It seemed like right from the shoot that nothing really had changed. And if you had to label any change, maybe the offense is better, which is absolutely terrifying for the uh, rest of the NFL. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, it's one game. I'm not ready to say they're better because they were awfully good last year. But um, the one thing that was encouraging to me, along with the defensive play, was how seamless it was, the transition to a new play caller, a, a new offensive coordinator in Ken Dorsey. There were no apparent mechanical issues as far as calling a play from upstairs and getting the play sent in. I mean, that seemed to go uh, smooth and almost perfectly from what we know. We don't know, obviously, the exact mechanics. And uh, the play selection was good. Everybody got involved. I mean, he's dealing with a really talented roster, including the quarterback who's been in this offense now for another year. As It's uh, another year in this offense for uh, Josh Allen, his fifth. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I thought Ken Dorsey it was, it got off to a great start. Uh, he's got a, a good working relationship and a good rapport with uh, uh, Josh Allen, I think. And that comes across, too, in the way the offense ran so smoothly and everything uh, kind of clicked into place last Thursday. John, as you know, this team, you know, through the draft, free agency, uh, trades, they're so deep everywhere on the roster. One of those spots is defensive end. A.J. Epinesa is like the third guy on the depth chart. He had a sack and a half. You know, Boogie Basham had a batted ball interception on his own. He's the fourth defensive end. They, they, they didn't even play Shaq Lawson. Jordan Phillips was unbelievable at D-tackle. He's not even the first or second or, or third option uh, to a degree up front. Offensively, we know about the wide receivers. We know about the running back room. We know about the offensive line. Where are the Buffalo Bills, in your opinion, the most deep? Um, the most deep? Um, well, I, I think the defensive line, and you mentioned it, and I talked about it a minute or two ago, um, that they, they know they have 
implemented this uh, plan that you need more than four D linemen, you need more than five, you really need eight, I think, is there is what they're shooting for. And they went out and spent money and signed players, brought back players like Shaq Lawson and others uh, to be on the roster this year. And I think uh, they're, they reap the benefits of it against the Rams last week. Uh, injuries will be a factor as the thing goes along. We know that. But right now they are, I think, most deep at the uh, at defensive line. Are you going to ask me where they're thinnest? Because I have a strong opinion about that. <laughs> Why don't you go that direction? Absolutely. Well, it's corner. I mean, it's clear. Uh, Tredavious White is still at least uh, three games uh, out of the lineup. And he can uh, rejoin the team for practice after the fourth game, which is still about a month away. We'll see when he's ready to play. As you mentioned, they, st- they had uh, two rookies... Uh, uh, play against the Rams, uh, Benford and uh, Elam, and they both held up uh, pretty well, but uh, that'll be tested. I think corner is the place that is a little bit uh, troublesome. You know, it's not a, a huge problem, but uh, they're going to have to, I mean, they're counting on those two safeties on the back end to, uh, to keep an eye on the, the young corners and make sure that they're they're hanging in there. And, and Dane Jackson is a, is a young corner himself, so that's the place where I think they are uh, most vulnerable, at least in terms of depth right now. John Murphy, voice of the Bills, with us here on the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Lindsley. Just a couple more for you here. John, I'll let you run. I know you're uh, you're busy. Um, this primetime stuff is, is insane. I mean, the Bills are so good. They're so big. They've been knocking on the door now for a couple of years that they're just going to be littered on primetime all the time. And it's not just difficult for players and coaches the late games, the travel, the different time zones and all that. It, it, it's hard on people who cover the team, and you're one of those people as the voice of the team. Um, can, can you get into a little bit of, of that, how different it is and how challenging when you're traveling to L.A. and you got to go to all these different places and different time zones and prime time and Thursday night and Sunday night and Monday night? And it, You know, it's not Sunday 1 o'clock, eight weeks in a row in Buffalo, sleeping in your own bed every night, right? So how does it work for you? I'm not going to whine about it either. You know, I don't want somebody listening. Yeah. Say, oh, okay, I'll take this. I'll do the job for you. No, I want the job. I want to keep doing it. I'm not going to whine about it. And one thing that has happened this year, we are back on the uh, Bills team charter. We didn't go in 2020. We didn't go to any road games. We yeah. broadcast over the TV from home. Uh, 21, we flew commercial because because of COVID. And finally, this year, we're back on the charter, which makes it amazingly much easier. I mean, we got home from L.A. at 6 in the morning last Friday morning and you know, flew red-eye all night. Uh, and that's not ideal, but if, if we had flown on a char- on, on commercial flight, not on the charter, I would have got home at 6 p.m. on Friday, you know. Yeah. So uh, in that respect, it got a little bit easier. Um, switching, you know, for instance, this week with a Monday night after uh, a Thursday night game, there are 11 days between games, gives me plenty of time to, to get ready, you know. And it'll be a compressed week going into the Dolphins game in week three. But um, today is Tuesday, and I've already got my spotting board done for the titans because you know I, the bills didn't have a game on sunday so i'll be ahead of the game a little bit in terms of preparation and i'll probably be scrambling a little bit next week when they play miami but uh i have no complaints it's great i know the players love getting the national exposure it was years before the bills got consistent regular national tv appearances so i have no complaints about it i think it's great all right in the minute i have left with you how do you see this monday night game going down with tennessee this is one of the pieces of the revenge tour here for Buffalo in 2022, considering, as you know, Murph, last year, they had a chance to win it. They were down knocking at the goal line. Allen slips. Dawkins gets blown up. Titans win. They get the one seed. How do you see this playing out in Orchard Park in an atmosphere, by the way, that is going to be unbelievable? 
Yeah. I mean, I think the Bills are a better team than Tennessee. I, I think there's last year's game, the Tennessee game, which was a very difficult loss last uh, October. And the year before, they lost a really bad game uh, in the COVID year to the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee was the number one seed in the AFC uh, playoffs last year. So they're good. They're not as good as they were, I don't think, last year or the year before. They, they've had some pretty uh, significant defections from the roster. But they're good, and they're and the the biggest problem I think for the Bills is their physicality. I mean, when you can line up Derrick Henry, he only had what 85, 90 yards last week, but he has had big games against Buffalo. Uh, the Bills uh, last year were were uh, beaten up by Derrick Henry and by by the Colts uh, running back late in the season, and and that's the kind of team that gives the Bills problems. A big physical team that likes to run the football, so that's something to keep an eye on. But I do think the Bills are better than uh, this Tennessee team. Uh, Tennessee at 0 and 1 will be looking to you know get their season going, I'm sure. And I, they're not my favorite team, but I think Mike Vrabel is a pretty good coach who has a a, a good knack of getting his team to play and and do what he wants them to do. So I don't think this will be an easy game at all for the Bills, but I do expect the Bills to win. John Murphy, voice of the Buffalo Bills. Murph, I always appreciate you coming on. Take care of yourself. I'm actually going to be at the Monday night game. I'll be in the press box. I've got a freelance stats gig with ESPN. So looking forward to coming out, and uh, hopefully I can say hello to you. Excellent. Okay, I'll see you there, Mike. Thank you. All right, in the 10, 15 minutes left that I have here on the podcast, I wanted to get into the win over the Rams, and I want to you know, kind of preview this Titans game um, for Monday Night Football in, in Orchard Park. I, I am so stoked to be at the stadium I can't wait to work it. I can't wait to visit with people, meet a lot of people, um, you know, hopefully get down, you know, in the locker room area, in the field, just to kind of soak it all in. Uh, pre-game, I'll be there probably around, I would say, 3, 3.30, 4 o'clock-ish. So I'll be there early to, uh, you know, to really get in the stadium and, and be able to, to talk to a lot of people. Um, but the Bills, you know what? That game against the Rams, they did everything and anything that they needed to do. Um, they came out as the Super Bowl favorites, and they looked the part. Now, there's still 16 games left and all the rest. I think the Rams are going to be fine. Uh, but but the Bills looked really big in this game, and the Rams looked really small. Matt Stafford looked small. He looked, and trust me, if you're a Rams fan or an NFL fan, you're somehow listening to this, I understand the Rams have a ring and the Bills don't, okay? Whenever I'm talking about the Rams or somebody, it, it's they're, they're separate entities, the Bills know who they are. They know what they're chasing. The fan base knows, for the most part, except for you know the bad apples, couple of bad apples, uh, where the team stands and all that. They still have to prove themselves. They still have to get to the top of the mountain. The Rams have what the Bills want. Having said that, in this one-game scenario for primetime kickoff on Thursday night football, the Buffalo Bills were the superior team, and it was not even close. I mean, they came right out of the chute, and like I said, Allen looked bigger and better than Matt Stafford who looked kind of weak and feeble. He threw three interceptions. He wasn't really getting around. The natural footwork in the pocket didn't look that great. The shoulder maybe was bothering him. And Josh Allen was just throwing darts all over the field, man. I mean, they came out with that first drive, 75 yards on nine plays over five minutes plus. Ridiculous. And a Gabe Davis, I mean, the pass that Allen made, that little flick job where they sold the run, he rolls a little bit to the right, Two guys kind of come up a little bit. Oh, I don't know if he's going to run. I don't know if he's going to pass. Ramsey being one of them. Boom, he flicks it over the top. Davis catches it. The Bills get a field goal. Uh, Cooper Cup gets that beautiful tiptoeing touchdown from uh, from Stafford, a four-yard pass to make it 10-7. to The Bills uh, give up a field goal from 57 yards to end the first half. And you thought to yourself just for a moment, hmm, 
hmm, I wonder if the Bills are going to be able to hang on here because they just squandered a ton of opportunities to the point where this feels like they should be up 21 to 28 points in this game, right? No problem. Come out in the third quarter. The defense continues to stomp on the Rams. Isaiah McKenzie, seven-yard pass from Josh Allen over the middle. Eight plays, 58 yards, over 503 this time. And then the Bills get the ball back in the fourth. And the Bills go down the field again. 13 plays, 89 yards, over 644, 24-10 Buffalo. Bills get it again. Stephon Diggs, 53-yard pass from Josh Allen. He rolls to the right, off of one foot. Flicks the wrist, digs is stumbling, no problem, catches the ball, and gets into the end zone after burning Ramsey. Three plays, 59 yards, over a minute, 36, 31-10 bills, and that's it, right? Every single part of this game was dominated by the Buffalo Bills. The Bills' offense was superior. The defense was suffocating. Von Miller, instant impact, right? And the Bills had 121 yards rushing. I would have liked to have seen Josh Allen to take fewer runs, fewer hits, um, I understand he's 6'5 and 240. I get it. But eventually they're gonna hit you and you're gonna get you're gonna feel it and you're gonna get you're gonna get dinged up. And Josh Allen welcomes the contact. He loves the competition and all the rest. I'm not saying to take the competitive nature out of him. Every single player has a competitive nature. They have that competitive spirit where if they go back and the play's broken, they say, I'm taking off. Okay, fine. I need less of the designed runs. I thought Brian Dable was gone. You know, come on, Ken Dorsey. You got to limit this thing. You don't want him running this much. He had 56 yards, I understand, on the ground. He was a leading rusher. They've been talking about how they don't want to have him as the leading rusher. But yet, game after game, he is the leading rusher. He had 56 yards on 10 carries and a touchdown. Josh Allen was almost perfect. Threw a couple of picks. One really wasn't a pick. Um, and was just unbelievable in this game. He, he had only three incompletions outside of those two interceptions, uh, 26 of 31 for 297 yards, three touchdowns. I mentioned the two picks, but whatever. 91.2 QBR and an 112 rating. I mean, whoa. And all the receivers, you know, the offense lived up to the billing. Ken Dorsey's offense, you know. RPOs, little Kyle Shanahan, little Cam Newton, Carolina Panthers, little this, little that, little Brian Dable's playbook, a little bit of his own concepts. Pretty good, pretty well-rounded, awesome, exciting. God, this team is so fun to watch. Offensively, a juggernaut, right? Eight for 122 and a touchdown for Stephon Diggs. Gabe Davis, four for 88 and a touchdown. Jamison Crowder gotten involved. I think he's going to have a big year, three and 28, but I think he's going to, I think he's going to do more damage. Um, here as the year goes on, right? Zach Moss, 6 for 21. McKenzie, a couple of catches, 19 yards and a TD. Devin Singletary, 2 for 14. 1 for 5. Dawson Knox wasn't a huge factor in this game, Dawson Knox, but that's only from the tight end catching standpoint. He was great at blocking, and he was helping the team in other ways, and that's classic teamwork for Dawson Knox that he always provides. And, of course, coming off that big contract extension, super happy that the Bills did that. Congrats to Dawson Knox, one of the good guys in the sport and a guy who's gone through a lot lately with the loss of his brother. So really pull for Dawson Knox. I think he's an awesome dude, and he's perfect for this football team. Meanwhile, the defense, I mean, these guys were everywhere, man. Seven sacks, three interceptions, the depth, the versatility, the, the, the things that we've talked about with this Bills team coming to fruition right out of the shoot in week one. Jordan Phillips, unstoppable, a sack and a half. A.J. Epinesa, unstoppable, sack and a half. Boogie Basham bats the ball to himself for a pick. Von Miller gets two sacks. 
Um, and Boogie Basham also had uh, also had a sack in this game. I mean, this this team they were ferocious. They were everywhere. They were tackling machines as well. And I had mentioned that before the game that the Bills needed to have a strong tackling game in order to prevent a lot of the yak, a lot of the yards after the catch. They did exactly that. Tremaine Edmonds, 10 total tackles, uh, seven were solo. Taron Johnson was everywhere, 9-5. and five. Milano, 7-5. and five. Dane Jackson, 5-4. and four. Micah Hyde, 5-2. and two. Von Miller, 4-4. Four and four. Russo, Phillips, Elam, every, everyone was everywhere. And the Rams felt it big time. Seven sacks and three interceptions for the Bills' defense in a dominating performance. And, oh, by the way, that left side of that Rams offensive line, yeesh, it's a little different than last year, eh? So the Bills did it all, and they came out, and they did exactly what they needed to do in this football game. Week one, going to L.A., defending champs, raising the banner, getting the rings, blah, 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 and the Bills went on in there and just stomped on them, and now they have to keep it going against this Monday night's opponent, the Tennessee Titans. Again, revenge game. Uh, Allen slips on the one last year. Dawkins gets blown up, and the Bills lose. If they win that game, probably the one seed. Uh, I know the Jacksonville game was out there as well, but if you just look at the Titans game, they, they you know the Bills would have had home field advantage. Uh, Tennessee comes in really with a brutal loss to the Giants. I mean, they they just gave up you know uh, the lead and 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 just lost focus in that game. I was very surprised because that's not really a Mike Vrabel type team uh, in terms of losing focus, but they did. And they really, really, really coughed one up against the New York Giants. Now, I give the Giants a lot of credit, Brian Dable and company, because the Giants hung in there and the Giants were down. You know, they, they, they drove the ball down. They were down one and Dable put his nuts on the table. And he basically said, we're going for it. We're going for two. And he told the team before that, if we take it down and score, we're going for two for the win. And the players were like, F yeah. And I, like many of you, not a Ryan Tannehill fan. <laughs> and... I think the Bills' defense is going to be relentless on Ryan Tannehill. I think that they are going to absolutely punish this dude. I think that the Bills' offensive line or defensive line is going to dominate the Titans' offensive line. The Bills are picked by, I think, 10. They're favored by 10 in this game. And I think the Bills win by three scores. Um, the home opener, I don't think pressure is going to get to this team. This team has delivered time and time again on prime time. They know what the expectations are. Now, listen, I think the pressure at home will be even greater than L.A. Sometimes when you're at home, you've been sleeping in your bed every single night, you're listening to the talk radio, uh, you're listening to the advantages you have, the, the expectations go up, you're getting ticket requests left and right. You know, those things can be a little overwhelming when you're at home. When you're away, uh, you can you can kind of, you know, not have to deal with some of that mumbo-jumbo while you're while you're at home, right? So, uh, but the Bills, they, they've, they've, Sean McDermott, he welcomes these things. They go week to week. They talk about what they need to do. It's one game to the next to the next. It's not, you know, we don't we can't play 10 games all at once. Um, and the Bills need to win this game against Tennessee. This is a huge game for the AFC uh, playoff sort of picture here. I don't I didn't pick the Titans to make the postseason, but, um, you know, I, they could prove me wrong. Uh, they've been in the conversation here the last few years. Right. They got the one seed last year. Mike Vrabel has done a nice job there. He's proved me wrong as a head coach. Um, they have Derrick Henry, and I think that the game plan will probably start and end with Derrick Henry. Uh, and I think the Bills, you know, stacking the box, trying to make Ryan Tannehill beat you and just getting after him um, would probably be the thing that we can all expect. 
Um, you know, I would expect, you know, the Bills didn't blitz once against the Rams and they picked Stafford off three times. You wonder if this week is a little different because of the player Ryan Tannehill is. Blitzing him rattles him. And so maybe, maybe, maybe the Bills will take care of business that way defensively with heavy blitzes, heavy packages, bringing the safeties up, getting after it, corner blitzes, you name it, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, pinching in. Maybe that's the game plan that they go with. Um, I will say this. I think Traylon Burke's going to be a really good wide receiver in this league, the rookie out of Arkansas who's on this Titans club, but he ain't A.J. Brown, okay? This wide receiver corp is a shell of itself. They don't have a ton of weapons. They don't have a ton of depth. Uh, after Burks and maybe, geez, I don't know. I mean, Josh Gordon, six-year uh, player out of Utah. Uh, Robert Woods is there as a 10-year vet. I mean, okay, but who else, right? I think the O-line can be exposed. The defense, they're pretty physical. They're pretty good. They play as a team. Uh, they get after it. They're hungry. Jeff Simmons is a monster. Um, you got to know where Denico Autry is, 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 is at all times. Uh, those guys are the ones you really want to worry about. But I think that the secondary is one that the Bills are going to be able to pick apart. I don't see, you know, Caleb Farley or 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 Fulton or Chris Jackson or any of these guys uh, being able to slow down the Bills, right? Elijah Molden, Roger McCreary, the rookie out of Auburn. I, you know, some of these rookies are kind of in and out and whatever. I, I just don't see any of these guys, and the safeties included for this football team. I, I mean, Moore, Kalu, Jackson, Hooker. I mean, like, I, I don't see... You know, Amadi, Byard, I, I just don't think this team is going to be able to keep up with the Bills <coughs> offensively. Diggs, Davis, screen plays, too many weapons, all the stuff that happened last week against the Rams, I think you're going to see more of that this Monday night football game against the Titans. And I'm going to pick the Bills. And oh, by the way, the offense, I was a little surprised that they had targeted Zach Moss as much as they did in the screen game. I know he didn't have a huge yardage game, but they really targeted him and counted on him to, you know, kind of bowl his way forward and help move the chains. That'll be something to watch in this game, too, because if the Titans try to get after Josh Allen from a blitz perspective, Allen's great against the blitz. Maybe he backs up a little bit and, hand, you know, throws it to the backs more. Maybe Dorsey keeps that, you know, that going, that part of the offense going. I think the Bills win this game. Uh, I'm going to go 38-17. to 17. Uh, That's a three-score win. Um, I think that the Bills... You know, it'll be maybe like a 6-10 to 10 point lead at the half, and then they'll just, you know, get a couple of touchdowns. The defense will get, you know, numerous stops, and then they'll just they'll win by, by 21. Um, this is a tough game, though, because the Titans are a physical team. The Titans have had the Bills number. It's time for the Bills to flip the script on this team, and it's time for them to do that against many teams in 2022. And week two, it's the Titans on the board. The Pandemonium Podcast here on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Lindsley. Thanks for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, review, subscribe to all of our shows across the podcast platform on Apple, Spotify, you name it. We're everywhere. Google Play. And, of course, seven days a week content, man. Audio, video, all the articles at builtinbuffalonews.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and hit us on Twitter at builtinbuffalo underscore. And as I always tell you, enjoy the games. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.